You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Greetings to you, Ethan. How are you doing, Josiah? I feel fine. That's good. It's unique that you... No, it's not. That's just how you answer the question. That's just how the question's answered. What's wrong, Ethan? What is, what is, why are you nitpicking? How do you feel? I also feel pretty good. What, what were your words? I feel fine? Yeah. I feel fine, too. I'm glad. I'm really glad. I like your shirt. There is a Thank tiger you. on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's just a straight fact. There's a straight fact. I don't really Not have... that there's literally a tiger on his shirt, like a literal, like... You know, he would be dead if there were an actual tiger. I mean, there's an image of a tiger, as if I needed to explain that. It says C and T limited. I don't know what that means. I didn't necessarily buy the shirt because I knew what it meant. (laughs) I'm like, that's nice. (laughs) I was going to make a Tiger King joke, but (laughs) none of those. There's a T in there. That's that's about it. That's all yeah. I can say about that. Are people still into Tiger King? Is that even still a thing know. that people are even thinking about? Uh, it entered the, the social consciousness so thoroughly. I feel like references are probably still well-received. Actually, I we have a mutual acquaintance who dressed up as Joe Exotic for Halloween. I know this. I know this. Wow. I'm just remembering it. Yeah? You can tell me anything else on the podcast? No. Okay. Because this person <laughs> listens to the podcast very regularly. Uh, well, you know, I got one thing to say. Thanks for listening. <laughs> That's cool. That's a cool outfit idea. It is. Uh, was it was it like kind of like an out there wild looking shirt? Because I feel like Joe Exotic had out there yeah. looking shirts and a pretty the wig. It the was wig, a good. It was course, yes. he did he did good work. Cool. He did good work. If you were listening to this right now, you know who you are. I'm not mentioning your name because you did as if work. you would be ashamed of that. Like he put there were well, photos, but yeah, you know, not everyone wants to be called out on a podcast. No, they don't. And uh, dear friend, you know who you are, and you did great work. <laughs> <laughs> nice job. Yeah, that's all I'm going to I'm taking that on that. faith because we, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, because Ethan hasn't seen it. He's just taking my word for it. And you might say there was a um, a certain glory that came Dude? from- oh, wow. Yeah. I really tried to oversell that a little bit, that, Yeah, I? Yeah. And that was a really, it was kind of a weak segue. <laughs> it was. But, um, I tried to make up for it. You know, I appreciate that. <laughs> I also love how we call attention to our segues. Yeah. Like the whole point of a transition in a segue is not to call attention Listen, to it. Listen, what it's are we, a, newscasters? Yeah, what are, what is this? This isn't a sermon. I feel like- we're allowed to call attention to the segues. Yeah, we are, and we do. Even if we're not allowed, we do. Every, exactly. Basically, every time, every single time, because you got to find some way to get from the banter mm-hmm. to the topic at hand. Yeah. What is? Hey, Josiah, what is the topic at hand? It's the final sola of the Reformation <laughs> solas. Actually, the last one. We come to the end of our journey. Wow. All of Protestantism summed up. Yeah, in, in, the, in five, episodes. five episodes. <laughs> That's that about does it. Five hundred years of history. <laughs> In five episodes. <laughs> no, we are covering the final solo of the Reformation today, and the final solo is Soli Deo Gloria, to oh. the glory of God alone. This is actually the only one I know about going into the series. Nice. And that's about all I know. Just, <laughs> I know that sentence that you said. To the glory of God alone. And I, and I know that um, a composer, it was like Bach, put SDG on the bottom of his music manuscripts. Yes. I'm sure that he, he didn't did. call them music manuscripts, but I don't, I'm not a composer. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> he did, as a matter of fact. Yes. I'd forgotten that. Wow. Yes, he did. That's pretty cool, actually. That is pretty cool. I like that a lot. Yes. So, when we say Soli Deo Gloria, and when Bach was writing it at the bottom of his music manuscripts, <laughs> what we are saying, in essence, is that the ultimate end of all God's works in creation and in redemption is his own glory alone. And thank you, Dr. Anderson, for that definition. I know you will never listen to this podcast in a trillion years, but thank you. Thank you for that. So in this case, 
God's glory is his splendor displayed in both his character and his works, which was most vividly made known in the person of Jesus. As John says, we have seen God's glory. Glory is the only son from the Father full of grace and truth. So does Jesus come up here as like the ultimate expression of this sola? Like all of creation speaks to the glory of God and most especially here when he stepped on to the stage of humanity? Yes, that is what I would argue. Well, the author of Hebrews would say this, like he is the radiance of God's glory. Like when you want to actually see what that looks like, mm. you look at Jesus and you understand all. Oh, here is what the manifest glory of God looks like in a person. So that being said, when we seek to glorify God, what we want to do, to use an old Greek image, is we want God to live on the lips of men. So in other words, we want all of our thoughts, words, and deeds to reflect and celebrate God's splendor and goodness. So let me take another phrase from the scriptures to further illustrate this and explain it. Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So in other words, there is a point at which people ought to be looking at how we speak, how we live, how we act, and the results should be not necessarily that they're like, wow, Josiah and Ethan are like great people. Like, they're awesome. You know what I mean? Praise them, right? Like, oh, glory no, no, no. glory to them. No, 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 no. No, no, no. We say, no, no, no. Like, we no. say, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, we do. No, no, no. You ought not do that. You need to stop that immediately. Um, but that... When they look at us, and even if they may think highly of something that we've said or done, that ultimately that would direct them back to the praise of God. Mm. And they would realize, oh, like, well, if they are acting like that and they're doing that because they serve oh, God, okay. that must speak highly of God. Or as Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 10 31, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Now, we recently did an episode on whether or not God is an egomaniac, and I think this sola is open to the same sorts of charges. You can get into the same kind of territory. I can imagine someone objecting, you know, it seems kind of narcissistic for God to do all things for his own glory, doesn't it? You know, like, if I'm a human being and I'm like, I'm doing all this for my glory. It's very self-serving, it sounds like, in that context. Yes, it does. And lots of people get into trouble for that. In fact, that was arguably Lucifer's problem, right? Was he said, ah. I will have glory as yeah. the most high. And like, well, no, God doesn't share his glory. Or when King Nebuchadnezzar is like, oh, look at me, I'm the most glorious of kings. He's like, well, now you're going to crawl like a beast and uh, eat yeah. grass like a beast because of, of that. Mm. Um, so if you want to explore that a little more in depth, I recommend that you go back and listen to that episode, Is God an Ecomaniac? Yeah. Um, because in summary of that episode, again, what we're saying here is that God, in all of his splendor and beauty, is the highest good of all the universe. You and I are not the highest good. Oh, no, no, Thank no, God, no. because, man, that's a low woof. That'd be a low bar. Yeah, that's, man, that's bad. A very like just, mediocre bar. Yes, like, very inherently just, just not great. God, on the other hand, is the highest splendor, beauty, and good in all the universe. And so, to direct all things unto that end is in the best interest of human beings, right? That we would see and taste and know the goodness yeah. of God. That's in our best interest. So again, if you want to dig into that a little more, you can go back and listen to that episode because we dig into that a little more in depth yeah. there. Now, another distinction we have to make with this sola is the difference between ultimate ends and proximate ends because some people might hear that, you know, the chief end here is God is doing all things to his glory alone in all of his works. And they're like, well, where does loving other people fit into that and doing other things fit into that, right? Yeah. So there's a difference between ultimate ends and proximate ends. And fun fact, that's actually a really simple version because you have theologians like Jonathan Edwards who categorized ends or goals. Let me just clarify that too. When I use the word end there, I'm also meaning like a goal. The ultimate end, the thing that exactly. you're striving towards. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. But he categorized ends under 
the headings of chief ends and inferior ends mm-hmm. and ultimate ends and subordinate ends. So he's really not pulling the punches with that inferior ends title. No, no, he's These not. Are your inferior ends. <laughs> yes, <laughs> peasants. Yes, <laughs> I didn't say that. Does he just use those interchangeably? Like the inferior subordinate are those? No, they are referring oh, there are four to... different ends. Yeah, there are there are four different ends. Oh, when this guy has an ends system, <laughs> he does. He really does. It's very complicated and um, elaborate. It is helpful, but we don't have time to get into the <laughs> distinctions there. Maybe we. <laughs> could do our own episode on that later but for the sake of this discussion we'll just stick with ultimate and proximate ends okay so we say that god's ultimate ends in his works is his own glory alone but there are proximate ends that get us to that ultimate end so so i could either i could google proximate because i genuinely like how that sounds (laughs) yes or i could just ask you to give me an example of what that looks like (laughs) oh yes truly a classic no that would be helpful so here's an example then i got into my car this morning which is an end, in order to drive to Zach's house. Okay. In order to record this podcast. So my ultimate end in this example was to record the podcast. But there were proximate ends that got me there. So these are like short-term stepping stones that brought you to this culminating goal. Right, exactly. And actually, you could keep stretching that all the way in our example to say that we record this podcast in order that people might hopefully listen to it, in order that they might grow in their knowledge of historical theology, in order that they might deepen their understanding of who God is and how he orchestrates history, in order that they might glorify him more in their lives. Does that make sense? It would make sense now, yeah. I'm (laughs) I'm tracking with you. Yes, yes. And there, I mean, you could probably divvy up countless proximate ends in there. Um, But the point is, is like the ultimate end, you have to get there somehow. And that's that's where proximate ends fit in. Now, of the solas, I think this one is the one in which a Catholic and a Protestant could probably agree without any real difference. Really? Yeah, I actually was trying to think of any point on where we might disagree on this, but I just couldn't come up with any. So, um, yeah, we have that in common with our cousins. And uh, so, you know, maybe someone will point out, Josiah, you idiot, you didn't think about this clear implication, but I I just didn't. There were none that came to my mind. Uh, well, if you can think of any disagreements, dear listeners, simply direct your input to Josiah at Horizons Church. <laughs> With the title, Well, Actually. <laughs> yes, I will be there to to read that. So I think the most massive implications for this come in the form of a question, which is what most glorifies God? And the very short answer is that God decides what most glorifies him. Okay? <laughs> That's fair enough. Right? So when God says, hey, sin falls short of my glory, as he does in, like, say, Romans 3, then we need to say, ah, so I ought not sin in an attempt to glorify you, which might seem self-evident. But again, there were people who thought that in the case of grace, since grace abounded to cover sin, we ought to sin more to receive more grace. And there might be people saying, well, if God is glorified, you know, in all things and everything ultimately works out for his glory, mm-hmm. uh, why, why not, you know, why not include sin there? Because then, like, in fact, if he can work glory out of sin, doesn't that make him look that much more glorious? And, you know. I mean, it's a loophole. It is. Let, and it's let, a bad one. There's no... <sighs> It's really hard to dress that up in a way that doesn't sound like a very selfish loophole. Right, yeah. I mean, that's, at that point, it's like, you know what you ought to do, yeah. and you're just saying, I'm not going to. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. Because, I mean, you do. I mean, you have a legitimate example in God orchestrating the greatest sin of all time for his glory, which was the murder of his son, right? Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. but that's not some license to sin, as you were exactly. saying. God will be, in the end, glorified over sin by judging 
unforgiven sin. Like either, you know, it's going to be forgiven or unforgiven. And in the case of unforgiven sin, it will have to be dealt with and judged. And you don't want to be on that side of the equation. It's just not a good place to be. So, yeah. Well, I think I have like a a different hang up when Mm -hmm. it comes to like what qualifies here and and what it looks like to to do all things that glorify God. I kind of know the answer to some of this. I kind of know that it's like off the beaten path. But at the same time, I feel like maybe it's useful to to tease it out a little bit. So, I don't know if this is true for anyone else, but I find it very easy to view most things in life to exist in this sort of ambiguous gray area. Mm -hmm. And so beyond that area to one side is sin, like you said, and the other Mm -hmm. side is like all these great and wonderful things that overtly glorify Christ. Okay. Whether that's like corporate worship or Mm -hmm. sacrificial service or like rather than flying off the handle in some sort of like contentious situation, you make the decision to conduct yourself respectfully or, Mm -hmm. or you seek the benefit of the other person rather than maneuvering for your for your own selfish gains Uh so all of these like you know they're obvious good quote-unquote good things that require you know they require me to choose those things and and probably even know why i'm choosing them because i cannot say that they happen naturally (laughs) yes we don't naturally tend that direction but like the misconception i think is that they don't count as glorifying, unless okay. I'm I'm purposefully doing these top tier Christiany things for selfless reasons, you know, and, yeah. th- and then I fall into this pattern of thinking all other things settle into this neutral gray area. Mm-hmm. Like I got up today and I and I chose I chose this this shirt that we talked about. Yes. Because it was unwrinkled, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and because I like it, and I like how it looks, and that's that's all there was to it. And then here we go for my my weekly coffee reference. Yes, I made this coffee that I'm holding, and and I can't say that at any point I thought about how these things might glorify God. If yeah. it, in fact I I honestly feel like I do them for purely selfish reasons, or purely neutral reasons, or or you know unaffecting reasons. Mm-hmm. So. If I'm to be doing all things to glorify Christ, which, to put it plainly, feels a bit extreme, let alone impossible, without really stretching the definitions. Yes. Like, I I would be making up proximate ends. Yes. That is a great... Great question, a great example, because that is where most of life is lived, okay. right? Well, in, not... in a way that feels like that. Yeah, so like corporate worship happens once a week. Right. Right. I mean, most of our lives, we're just like, we're doing our jobs, actually. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you're doing your work or you're a student. I mean, you're just, you're doing your work. You're drinking your coffee. You're picking out the clothes. You're driving to and from places, right? There's a lot that's just like, it's just kind of happening. Yeah. So that's a great thing to bring out. So let's bring this back to 1 Corinthians 10.31, because I think that's kind of at the heart of what we're trying to get at here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to do everything for the glory of God, like whether I eat or drink even. Like, yeah. it's like, so, come back so to your coffee. Like, mundane things, like, right? What, how do you drink coffee to the glory of God mm. without, as you said, doing this impossible connect the dot situation where you're yeah. constantly trying to be consciously aware of what you're doing? I actually, so I'll, I'll put my cards out on the table here. I actually would say, he's not telling us to do that. Mm. That would be impossible to do. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I think there's some people who like expect you to do that. And like, you can't, no, you can't. You'll spend your whole life actually ironically being so paralyzed by being conscious of what you're doing and trying to be conscious of what you're doing that you, you don't do anything, right? This doesn't really have anything to do with the actual example, but like take driving, for example. Mm-hmm. There is a point at which when you start driving, you have to think about everything you're doing, right? You're very conscious about it. Yes. If every time you got in a car, that was what it was like, that would be exhausting, wouldn't it? Do you remember those first weeks learning how to drive? That was terrible. Like, honestly, it was just like constantly like, okay, got to have my hands on the wheel and got to put the blinker on at this time. I got to make sure I got one foot over the gas pedal and yeah. use that same foot for the brake. And all these things, consciously, it's exhausting. Yeah. It is mentally and in some cases physically exhausting. But eventually you get to the point where you do it so often it becomes second nature, 
right? You just get in the car and you drive. And next thing you know, oh, we're at Zach's house. You know, like you didn't even really have to like think about it. Right. That didn't mean that you were driving badly. In fact, it probably means you can drive smoothly and very well. Mm-hmm. So let's let's keep that conceptual taxonomy in the back of our minds okay. and take the coffee example. Because mm-hmm. I, I too am a coffee drinker. Mm-hmm. A delicious cup of coffee yeah, this absolutely. morning. Okay. So when I drink coffee or when you drink coffee, if we are not consciously taking every sip for God's glory, then the question we're asking, I think, is how am I doing it for the glory of God? How does that happen, right? Like, that's the question I think we're asking, okay? Here's how I would answer. And if anyone has any pushback on this, I'd actually love to hear it because I've spent a fair amount of time thinking about this and I haven't come up with a better approach to it. Okay. But the first is there are plenty of mornings where I do thank God for my coffees I'm making. Like that, that's not uncommon. I'm like, thank you, God, for coffee. Like, I'm just like, I'm grateful for this gift. You know, the smell is, you know, wafting its way up to my nose. I just, I'm grateful. But then, you know, I quickly move on from that if I remember to do it, right? Sure. So let's, let's even rule that out. Let's just say I'm making a cup of coffee in the yeah. morning. You're making your cup of coffee. Got the grind going, mm-hmm. grinding into your mm-hmm. portafilter, all this lovely stuff. <laughs> so let's say, put it in these terms. As I'm drinking that coffee, I am doing it, here are my two reasons, but my two biggest. I am doing that in order to enjoy the good flavor and in order to benefit from the energy I receive from the caffeine. Those are like the two biggest things. I'm going to get a two-for-one deal on my coffee. For sure. Okay? Now, let's take the energy front. On the energy front, I take in the caffeine. Why? In order to be more alert. I want to be more alert. Well, why do I want to be more alert? I want to be more alert in order to do better work. As a pastor, let's say, you know, most mornings I'm drinking coffee before I start my work at the church. So I want to do better work as a pastor. And I want to do better work as a pastor. Why? Well, because I want to help people know and love God. And I want them to know that he loves them. And that requires my ability to articulate the truth of scripture well and to think through these issues. And so I want to be at the top of my game mentally and energy wise. And I want to help people know and love God in order to glorify him and show that he is the most beautiful and precious person in all of the universe, right? So on the energy level, I didn't, I'm not ever consciously thinking all that, right, but right. do you see how that I am when it's all said and done? If you do connect those dots, I am drinking that coffee to the glory of God. Hmm. Same thing with the flavor. I enjoy the flavor because it satisfies my desire for things that taste good. And I have those desires. Why? Because God put them there to lead my heart back to him in gratefulness to say, think about the taste of your coffee. Mm. It tastes good. I made that. If that coffee that I made tastes that good, how good must I be because I created it? And therefore, I'm grateful to him. And he did that because my heartfelt thanksgiving glorifies him. That sense of pleasure and, and joy I have in taking that coffee is a reflection back to him. And I'm not consciously, again, I'm not thinking about those things when I'm drinking it. Right. But if all of those are happening almost by second nature, kind of like the driving thing, like you're not having to think about it, you are doing it. Does that make sense? I think that definitely helps clarify. I think I could be tempted to, for the energy angle, I could be tempted to think I'm just medicating a caffeine dependency. Right. Because <laughs> I almost definitely do this consciously for the indulgence of enjoying the craft and the, and the flavor. But I also appreciate the idea of reframing that with a broader perspective. Heavenly-minded perspective mm-hmm. is what I mean. And I don't mean like, oh, I appreciate the logical gymnastics that allow me to justify. I don't right. I don't mean that. I genuinely mean that I think it, it is useful to be able to analyze and reframe these commonplace kind of white noise corners of our lives with a mindfulness of God. Yes, I agree. And even to come back to your, you know, little little joke about nursing a, a caffeine dependency, <laughs> yeah. like there is a point where, you know, okay, coffee is a neutrally gray thing, yeah. right, to use your, your imagery there, that 
it could get to the point where if you trace it, you're like, oh, yeah, like I'm dependent upon this Mm -hmm. to subsist. Like I can't live without (laughs) it. At the point you're depending on that, Mm -hmm. you could probably logically work your way out to say, maybe that's not glorifying to God. Right. And the way it is, maybe I need to let go of it for a while. Maybe not even forever. But well, here's another more hot button example of this. But like alcohol Mm. is a... Of course, yeah. You have all kinds of exhortations in scripture like in Ecclesiastes, it says, eat your bread and drink your wine with joy. But there are people who it can also be destructive, in, course, very yeah. destructive if you become addicted to it mm-hmm. or if you consume too much of it, you have inordinate desires around it. Like you're not glorifying God at that point. Right. At which time you should say, well, maybe it's time to, you know, <laughs> you know. Take a hard look at that. Yeah, take a hard look at that and reconsider how you enjoy that or if you should continue to enjoy it at all. So the point of that, though, is that in some of these things, like, if you were, ironically, I think, if you had to be consciously aware of every single thing you did and be able to connect all those dots all the time, you couldn't actually live. Hmm. Like, you ironically wouldn't be able to glorify God because you'd be so concerned with... Every movement you make. Every movement you made. Yeah, like, is raising my right hand right now glorify? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You get to that place and you just become paralyzed and hmm. you don't end up doing anything, ironically. I think it's a gift that a lot of this can become, quote-unquote, second nature to us. And that, you know, you can drink your coffee in the morning and without even consciously realizing it, all those proximate ends end up legitimately taking you to a place where your ultimate end is glorifying God. Yeah. And I find that uh, that's a heavenly-minded perspective. I like what you said there. And I do think it's good once in a while to actually, you know, step back and analyze that yeah, and for sure. think about it. So, yeah, that's... Uh, that's the really truncated version of it. <laughs> really truncated. Really simplified. It, I cannot it, emphasize it, that enough. It feels very dense. Yes. To and actually dive into it. It does. And that's why, in fact, I was referencing Jonathan Edwards there. He wrote an entire what he called treatise, but it's a very thick, heavy book. <laughs> it was the ultimate end for which God created the world. But then he gets into all of this stuff. Oh, wow. He's talking about like ultimate ends and inferior ends and subordinate ends and chief ends and how all this stuff fits together in the human life and what God is doing. And it is, whoo, whoo, let me tell you what. <laughs> I mean, just three wolves from me. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I mean, if you are really, really interested in that, you can pick that up. You know, you, you can, can try read to that. pick up. It sounds heavy. That's, yeah, you know. Yeah, you want, you want to read it? We can discuss it sometime. That, you know, that'd be great. But uh, <laughs> anyway, that's Solideo Gloria in a nutshell. Wowie. The five solos of the Reformation. Mm. There we have them. Nice. Right there. And that's all we have to say about that. <laughs> Feels good. <laughs> yes. So uh, thank you for joining us on this brief tour of these solas. And uh, if you have any questions on them or anything else to add, you can email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. You can interact with us on social media. And if you found this helpful, if it helped you glorify God better, <laughs> you can uh, leave us an honest five-star review to the glory of God, right? I like how you really, there's a lot of qualifiers there. Really a lot of qualifiers. Mm, I'm the king of qualifiers. That's all right. Me yeah, too. That's all right. Thank you as always for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.